Welcome to this session of Made For More. You know, there is the life we expect to live, then life has a way of bringing unscripted things in our lives that were never a part of our plan. At Everyman, we know that some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You didn't plan to lose a family member. You didn't expect to have a health issue that sidelined you. You didn't expect to be single again. But when unplanned things interrupt our lives, it is easy to feel like our purpose in God is also sidelined. And nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, in part two of this series, Made For More, you are going to hear how to experience God's dream and intention for your life in the presence of adversity and not in the absence of it. But before we get started, you might want to share this live stream right now, especially to help someone you know who is going through an unscripted season of difficulty. Now, let's join men's expert and pastor Kenny Luck for session two of Made For More. Well, good morning, men. If you have a Bible, you're going to want to open it up to Colossians chapter 1. We're in this series called Made for More. And in part one, what we talked about were the words of Jesus to his followers, to his guys. And he said, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Now, I want you to catch that phraseology. Whoever believes will do. Then he goes on and he says, and even greater works than these will you do. Now think about that. You're talking to the disciples. They believe in Jesus. They see Jesus do these amazing works. And then Jesus says, guess what? You're made for more. You're gonna do even greater works than these. And so that's where we started in part one of just how every follower of Jesus is made for more. And then we looked back at the Old Testament and forward to the New Testament where God looks at his people like something that he plants and then he expects to bear fruit. In the Old Testament, the people of God were known as the vineyard of the Lord Almighty and, and like a fig tree and how God was looking for the fruit to come from what he planted. And then we went forward to Jesus and him cursing the fig tree and being so upset that there was this outward display of fruitfulness and leaves, which should indicate fruit, but there was no fruit in God's people. And he got upset and the cursing of the fig tree was just a sign of God's, of God's anger and God's disappointment that there was an outward display of faith in God's people, but no true fruit the fruit of God's character and the fruit of God's compassion. Instead, God's people were using God for selfish purposes. And so that was, that was part one, just establishing that whoever believes in Jesus will do the works of Jesus and greater works will you do. And so that's the life that you have fallen into if you're a believer in Christ. And so in part two, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk build on that theme, and we're going to look at the Bible, starting in Colossians chapter 1, about what's the origin of that. Because in part one, we talked about how when God plants something, God expects. So there's salvation, and then God expects transformation. All right. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul is talking about how believers have gone from one place to another place. And I want you to listen in to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. Listen to what Paul says. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will 
in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. Here's the language. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And here's the key phrase, uh, verse 13. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So do you see the picture? Paul says, since the day we heard of it, all right, people putting their faith in Christ, he starts to pray for them because they have been plucked out of one realm, the domain of darkness, and planted into a new realm, into the kingdom of God's beloved son. If you're a follower of Christ, you've been rescued from a realm of darkness and you have been placed and transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved son, Jesus. So what does being in that new realm involve? Well, the passage says that the new realm involves kingdom wisdom. Paul says, since the day he's heard of it, someone being plucked out of the domain of darkness and putting in, being put into the kingdom of Jesus, he says, I'm praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. When you get planted into God's kingdom, there's a whole new treasure chest of wisdom that we're called to be filled with. Secondly, the new realm that we're planted in involves a kingdom lifestyle. Paul says to please him in all respects. In the old realm, we lived one lifestyle. In the new realm, we live to please God. So we get new wisdom where we learn God's ways and then our lifestyle changes. And then in the kingdom realm, we start living to please God. And then the third thing happens in the new realm. There are kingdom works. Paul says bearing fruit in every good work as you increase in the knowledge of God. So in the new realm, it involves kingdom wisdom. Kingdom wisdom fills us up. And then we learn how to live a kingdom lifestyle, which pleases him in all respects. And then the expression of that comes out in every good work. But that's not all. Number four, we get kingdom energy in the new realm. We get the resurrection power of Jesus. We get rescued from the domain of darkness. We put our faith in Christ and we're redeemed in him. We're crucified with him. We're resurrected with him. And because we're resurrected, we have new power through the Holy Spirit. Paul prays that you would be filled with wisdom. Paul prays that we would please him in all respects. Paul prays that you would do the good works that God has called you to in the kingdom. And then God says, you're gonna be strengthened with all power. So there's new kingdom energy. And then lastly, there is what I call a kingdom attitude. Paul says, you know what? Because you've been transferred from here to here and you have new wisdom, you have a new lifestyle, you have new good works, which every man wants to do, you have new power, you have a new kingdom attitude in the kingdom realm. And what does that look like? Joyously giving thanks. Now, let me just pause for a second. I want you to see how you are made for more 
And when you're, you're taken out of the domain of darkness, a life without Christ, and you're planted into the kingdom of his beloved son, it's this new reality. And in that new reality, you have an attitude that takes over, and it's an attitude of gratitude. Did you know that gratitude is a weapon? Let me tell you, the hardest man to attack, if you are the devil, is a grateful man. Why? Because he's content versus discontent. He's not thinking of all the things that he doesn't have. He's grateful for the things he does have. He's not upset over certain adversities or challenges coming into his life. He's actually grateful for them because he knows that God's purposes and plans are even being worked out in adversity. And can I just tell you something? If you don't have an attitude of gratitude, you know what you're left with? Attitude. That's all you have. Pride. Upset. Discontent. Grumbling complaining, thinking in the gaps. You're not thankful for what you do have. You only see the things that you don't have. And so this is how we step from one domain to another domain. We are made for more, Jesus says that, and we live in this new realm of more by being connected to Christ, and now we begin this adventure in the kingdom. New wisdom, new lifestyle, new works, new energy, new attitude. That's what it tells us in God's word. Now, in Ephesians 2.10 is a good summary of how we are made for more and how what God has created in us and wants to do through us is ready to be engaged. It says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, there's your new realm, for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Okay, there's your more. You are made for more. You say, Kenny, what am I made for? Right? Well, you're created in Christ to do the works and fulfill the mission which God prepared just for you in your context, in your set of relationships, with your set of realities, All right, that you would walk in them. And see, there's the challenge, guys. That's why we're doing this series. The question is, are we walking in that, that work that God can only uniquely do through us in our space, in our context, in our set of relationships, in our neighborhood, in our country, in our communities, in our city. Are you fulfilling that mission? So what we're gonna talk about with the rest of our time is just how to live out God's dream for your life. And so we're gonna do a little acrostic, D-R-E-A-M. And the first letter in dream is D. If I'm gonna live successfully, in the kingdom realm, all right, and live out this made-for-more life that God has for me, the first thing I have to do is I have to D, decide to let God decide. I got to decide to let God decide. In the Bible, the man of God, Jeremiah, says this in chapter 10. He says, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. Catch this. We are not able to plan our own course. So correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. Do not correct me in anger, for I would die. What does Jeremiah know? Jeremiah knows that he's made by God, and he's made for God, and he's going to God. He knows that created things don't decide their own purpose, and so he's got the right perspective. There's creator, and then there's created. And the creator is supposed to direct the course of 
the created. And he's saying, you know what? I need a course correction. Look at what he asked for. I'm not supposed to plan my own course, so correct me. But because he's God, he's just <laughs> he's asking God to be gentle with him. You know, some of you are in the middle of a course correction. And instead of cooperating with God, God has had to bring some circumstances into your life to get you to a place where you would recognize, you know what? My program's not working. I'm going to accept. This is God talking to me. I'm in the middle of a course correction. Now, deciding to let God decide doesn't always feel good. And we learn that from Jesus. You know, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was the first time that he encountered the will of God and didn't want to do it. And in Matthew 26, we hear these words, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now, I don't think Jesus felt like being crucified. I think there's some of us out there right now, including myself. I don't feel like doing some of the things that God asked me to do. Why? Because they're inconvenient. They're an interruption. This is unscripted. But you know what? And it's going to cost me. Yet I know that's God's will. So I'm going to do it. You know, I, I look at Jesus' words and then I think, wow, he lives in me. And there are going to be some times where, like Jesus, I go, you know what? I don't want this cup, this experience that's filling my life. I don't want this cup because it's a cup of suffering. I know men out there right now, you're, you're suffering from the, the cup of loss. Maybe you've lost a spouse or you've lost a family member to suicide, like me. I don't know what it is. But it happened to you. It's unscripted. And you're trying to sort your way through the feelings and we have to accept that that's our reality and like Jesus say you know what yet not as I will but as you will I think there's the life that God calls us to live versus the life that we thought we ought to live and I know that for a lot of guys there's that wow the life I thought I ought to live it's conflicting with the life that that God now because of my arrangement of life is calling me to live. And you know what? I didn't plan on that. Well, guess what? This is when you can become most like Jesus. This is where you get to decide to let God decide the life that he's called you to live. Secondly, the R in dream is reality is the road to God's glory. First, I have to decide to let God decide. And then I have to let reality in my life be the road to God's glory. You know what? I, I counsel so many men and I see them in their reality, all right? Their real set of circumstances, their real relationships, their real jobs, their real challenges. And you know what? They say, well, what if there was this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened? Man, that would be an alternative reality I'd really enjoy. But that doesn't help them in their present reality. And you know, that, that fantasy, wishing, hoping, you know, that's not what God wants to use. He can't use this because it's not real. God is in truth and reality. And, and so whatever relational situation you find yourself in, whatever professional situation you find yourself in, uh, whatever emotional situation you find yourself in, whatever circumstantial situation you find yourself in, that is what God wants to use. Why? Because it's real. It's your real life, both good and bad, right? Now, in the Bible, Jesus would bump into people and 
their situation and circumstance would be what most people would call limiting or negative. And we run into that in John chapter 9. It says this, as he, Jesus, went along, he saw a, a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he is born blind? And Jesus replied, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. Listen to this. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, think about that. This guy cannot see, all right? People looking from the outside in would go, uh-oh, who did something wrong? And that's the mentality where if something bad is happening to someone, then someone must have chosen poorly or someone else must have chosen poorly, poorly to, to, to make that happen. That's the way the disciples are thinking. And Jesus said, uh-uh, nope, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So the reality of his limitation created the context for God to enter his limitation and then open his eyes and do a work in him so that he could see, and then God gets the glory. You see, guys, I know that there are parts of me, and I know that there are parts of you that you wish were different, that you wish were stronger. There's parts of your, your, your choice making in the past that you, you wish you could go back and make new choices because they created consequences that have rippled its way into your present life and you regret them, all right? But I'm just telling you that those adversities and those choices and those consequences that you think are negative, God can enter those issues, whatever the issue is, and he can display his works and he can get the credit for your transformation, right? Now, it talks about how God meets us in the mud in Psalm 40. I love this. This is my life verse. Listen to this passage of scripture. It says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Result, last phrase, many will see and fear and put their trust in him. Now, isn't that interesting that God is eager to use the limitations? He's eager to use the mud in our lives. He's eager to use how stuck we feel and to enter into that and to lift us out of that and give us a firm place to stand and deliver us into this kingdom life and people who knew us here will see us lifted out of it by God and then they'll look at us and many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. You see, the transformation through God brings the witness. But what's God working with? He's not working with your, your alternative reality. He can't work with that because it's not real. The, the life you wish, you're wishing you're going to live, the person you wish you're going to be with, that's, God can't work with that. God works with your right now reality with all its goodness and badness and limitations. And God wants to enter into that and he wants to transform it and he wants to deliver you in your current reality. So instead of asking God to take away all your problems, which is what we usually do, God, I don't like this in my life, that doesn't feel good. Just say, hey God, accomplish all your purpose in me 
through these tests and difficulties and delays and tests and trials and deliver me and transform me. You see, guys, God can change your circumstances like that. Or he can change you. Or he can change both. But I'll tell you one thing. God is way more interested in transforming your character than giving you comfort because that makes you more like Jesus. So there's the R in God's dream, all right? That's the, the second step toward more. First, I gotta decide, I'm gonna let God decide, all right? Just like Jesus, I'm gonna surrender to Jesus. Secondly, I'm gonna let God use the raw material of what's really going on in my life so that the work of God can be displayed through me, through him transforming me out of this raw stuff into Christ-likeness. Then the E in dream is I gotta exchange my perspective. Decide to let God decide. Reality is the road to God's glory. And then I have to exchange my perspective. Specifically, all right, my perspective for God's perspective. And in the book of Philippians, uh, chapter three, Paul talks about this radical change of perspective. He used to be over here in the domain of darkness. Then he got delivered into the kingdom of the beloved son. The first thing that changed was how he thought about significance, how he thought about success, how he thought about his masculinity. Listen to Paul talk. Quote, the very credentials these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing them in the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master. Firsthand, everything I once I thought, I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Listen to these words dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. Okay, the language here is very powerful. Paul's thinking differently. He's redefining significance. He's redefining success. In fact, he says, and this is my paraphrase of what he says, I'm not living for crap anymore. Think about that. He used to live for self-importance. He used to live for self-preservation. He used to live for self-indulgence. He got the titles. He got the degrees. He was the rising star. He was climbing the ladder. And what he's saying right here is that, you know what? Everything I used to think was important, all these credentials, all this acceptance by men, all the kudos, all the credibility, all him, that means nothing to me compared to knowing Christ Jesus. He's exchanged his perspective, an earthly and cultural perspective for an eternal and Christ-centered perspective. He's letting be true what God says to be true, not what the world says to be true. And I love it. He just like, you know what? All this stuff, I'm throwing it in the trash. That way I used to think, it's like, it's like crap. I'm going to stop living for crap. I'm going to dump it all 
into the trash. And so there's the third step. You want to live well, planted in the kingdom realm, you got to start deciding to let God decide. You have to know that your reality, not your fantasy life, the one you wish you had, your present reality is the road to God's glory. God can work with your reality and wants to work with it. Third, you got to exchange uh, your perspective for God's perspective. Paul talks about this when he's equipping the Corinthians as believers in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. Listen to his words. He says, so from now on, as believers planted in the kingdom world, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly, godless point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. So what's new, right? What's new is your perspective. Okay, it's not worldly anymore. It's godly. You've exchanged your perspective. You're starting to see life through the lens of God's glasses. All right, and that's what happens when you become a believer. God causes you to see things the way he sees them, see issues the way he sees them, see relationships the way he sees them, and you exchange your perspective and your wisdom for his. The way you look at success, the way you look at what's really significant. What does it mean to be truly rich? That's what the Bible talks about when we come to know Christ. We discover what it means to be truly rich. Rich in love, rich in God, rich in joy, rich in peace. I know people who are rich beyond their imagination. They don't even know what to do with all the resources that they have. But you know what? Real riches elude them. They're not rich in peace. They're not rich in relationship. They're not rich in God. They're not rich in grace. They're not rich in forgiveness. So our point of view has changed, and we have to exchange our perspective for God's perspective. If we're going to live well, planted in the kingdom of his beloved son and experience that we're made for more, right? The A in God's dream for more, right, is accept God's process. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm like a little impatient. It's like, hey, God, you know what? Um, my watch says that I should be delivered from this trial right now. You know, God, I, I, I think my relationship after all the work I've done uh, should be a lot better. Right? God, I should be delivered into a new promotion. God, I should be. And we start like thinking that God wears our watch, that, you know, if we do one, two, three, you know, he's going to do four, five, six. That's not how God works. I have to accept God's process, which means, <clears throat> I'm going to choke on this, God's timing, right? Now, girls, they know, women, girls, they know the word process, right? They process everything. They talk about everything. They, they yak about everything. They're, they're, they're like, they have like emotional mind meld and with a perfect stranger, if, if she's a woman, you know, and biologically they have this chemical in, in their body called oxytocin, which is called the connect chemical. And they, they process and they process and they process and they process. They love the process, all right? Men, no likey, the process, right? We want the product, we want the result. We want to pull vault just to the end, just give me the bottom line, right? Well, hate to tell you guys, and I've experienced my, myself, and there's probably a few of you chuckling out there, but God has you in the process, all right? Now, in the, in the book of Romans, 
Paul talks about where we embrace God's process. And that, that's, that's where we have to say, you know what? There's my timing and there's your timing. There's my result and then there's your result. And I gotta, I want your result more than my result. I want, if it takes a little longer, then I'm okay with that. And Paul talks about that in Romans 12. Listen to what he says, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Here we go. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, listen, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. There's the process. And quickly respond to it. That's the process. Unlike the culture around you, dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. Listen, develops well-formed maturity in you. Now, I want to call your attention to a couple of truth statements from this passage of scripture I just read. Fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Okay, that's a process of personal change. If you know Jesus, you are in a process of personal change. In fact, why don't we say this together wherever you are. Say, I am in a process of personal change. Yeah, that's what the scripture declares, right? You have been transferred from the domain of darkness. You've been planted into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's called salvation. Okay. After salvation, now that you're over here, begins the process of transformation. God changing you from the inside out, listen, making you more like Jesus. Right. The other phrase here is where it says at the end, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity. Okay. Now, we know that in the realm of retail or product development or whatever, anything well-formed, takes time, it takes a process. In fact, we, we shell out more bucks for things that are well-formed and they've gone through a process because they're solid. You know, guys, quick and quality is an oxymoron. You can never get real quality out of quick, but you know what, guys, that's, that's what I want all the time. I want, I want it to happen faster. I want the changes to happen faster. I want the changes in me to happen faster. But you know what? God is not for quick. He's usually for quality. And he never compromises quality for a quick process. So I'm, I'm just telling you guys that are in a process right now, just look, look at me, that God is at work in you. He's begun a good work in you, and he's faithful to complete it. You know, I was in Italy, and I... Uh, in Florence, and I went to see the David by Michelangelo, and I, I thought to myself, man, that was just a block of marble at one point. They, they, they harvested it out of, out of a quarry, and it just came to Michelangelo like this, a square block that was massive. And then Michelangelo just took his chisel out, and he went, <laughs> because he saw within it what I saw in Florence. It was this amazing statue of this amazing man. 
And you know what God's doing? You came to him out of the quarry of darkness. You got planted in the kingdom of his beloved son. And you came to him raw and in need of a lot of change. And you know what? Through With the chisel of the Holy Spirit, God is forming Christ. He sees Jesus coming out from the inside out. And he's, he's forming Jesus in you. And you know what he's using to chisel? Probably some things you don't like going on in your life. Probably a delay. Probably a family difficulty. Maybe a test and a trial through loss. Maybe a, a health issue. Um, maybe a temptation. And he's chiseling out that vision that he has of Jesus in you and Jesus coming through you. So we have to accept God's process, you know. And what I've learned over the years, walking with the Lord, I'm just going to give this away. No charge, right? God makes me do the things sometimes I don't want to do to complete the vision he wants to see. I do some things that cost me. I do some things where I might have to give up something to take up more of Christ in me. But God uses that to... Some of you are there right now. And you know my encouragement to you is just to go, hey God, complete the vision, whatever it takes. Complete the vision of Christ in me. Make me like Jesus. So there's the A, all right? We gotta decide to let God decide. Reality is the road to God's glory, not some other alternative life. We have to exchange our perspective for God's perspective. We gotta accept everything that's happening in our right now life as part of God's process of changing me from the inside out. And then the M in God's dream, where now I start experiencing the more of living in the kingdom realm, is I have to move toward authentic manhood. Now, you just saw me emphasize the word authentic versus what? Synthetic. Okay, what's something that's synthetic? It's something that that looks like real masculinity and manhood on the outside, but it's not the real thing. It's not authentic masculinity in the character and conduct of Christ. You know, in today's culture, masculinity is under attack. In fact, a lot of culture says, boy, that masculinity, those men or men in general, that's a, that's a sorry lot. They're toxic, right? And every day there's a news story of some man who's been given wealth or influence or celebrity or status, and they use that power for themselves or to abuse other people. You know what the world's ready for? world's ready for strength with character and compassion and Christ-likeness. I, I know it's dark out there for a lot of us. There's protests in cities around the world against men. But guess what? As dark as that is, you know what you can see against the dark backdrop? Light. That's why we're talking about the dangerous good movement. Men who are dangerous with goodness. God's changing them from the inside out. He's chipping away the chump because he sees the champ inside, Jesus Christ. And he's bringing that out. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul talks about this journey toward authentic manhood. And what it involves 
is a process where immaturity decreases and maturity increases. He says this, when I was a child, I talked like a child, words. I thought like a child, perspective. I reasoned like a child, logic. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. You know, this is the issue. You've got grown men with man-sized responsibilities, man-sized relationships, man-sized careers with boy-sized character. They don't fit. And inevitably, the immaturity of the boy ruins all the responsibility and influence of the older man. You know what we need? We need to have character consistent with our chronology, right? Paul says, guess what? When I became a man, the boy went away. And you know what? The world would benefit. And let me tell you, I talk to women, especially single women who are looking for a good guy, and they're just like, I need a man. I need an authentic man who is spiritually strong, emotionally grown up, and relationally committed, okay? Guys, if you want to be attractive out there and be an authentic man, be emotionally mature, be spiritually strong, and be relationally committed, okay? And that's possible through Christ. Um, you got to change in, in your character and move toward maturity and authentic manhood. In Hosea 10, 12, the prophet Hosea is talking to a, a gathering of men, and they're all agricultural dudes. I mean, back then, everybody did agriculture. Listen to the picture he presents about moving toward maturity and what it's going to take. The prophet of God says to the men of God, sow, okay, sow, farming term, plant righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. So a bunch of guys who know how to work the land, the prophet of God says, all right, you're going to plant something in yourself? Plant righteousness in you. All right? But here's what's going to happen. If you plant God's righteousness character inside of you, you are going to have to break up your unplowed ground. Now think about that picture for a second. There's the plowed ground, it's organized, it's planted, it's productive. And he says, don't go there. Don't go to the fields of your life and character where, you know, you're the man or you're the professional or everybody knows that you do that good and all that. He says, how about over here where it's unplowed? How about over here where the ground is a little harder and neglected? How about over here where maybe the weeds have popped up and this area of your life is not productive. He said, you know what? Sow righteousness in that space. Now, what does that mean? That means that we got to be honest with ourselves, honest with God, and look in the mirror and go, okay, there's the productive parts of my life that are working well, and then there's the unplowed ground. And the image for a, a farmer to do unplowed ground, that's going to involve a little bit of that. That's going to blow. It's going to involve a little bit of that. I'm going to have to get behind and hold on to and get some calluses on my hands and hold a big steel plow behind a massive mammal with stuff coming out its hind end. And I got to probably go over it a few times to break it up, but it's worth it. The hard work, the process and the hard work is worth it. There's some of you who are about to bail out of a hard process. Don't do it. 
break up your unplowed ground. Win the victory through God's power and God's help in that area. So, guys, we can, we're made for more. We've been rescued from the domain of darkness, planted into the kingdom of his beloved son. We have wisdom available, a new lifestyle available, right? A new attitude available, new energy available. But we got to decide to let God decide. We got to let God work with our reality and what's really going on in our lives, not sanitize our life and think that God's going to work with that or, or escape our life. No, your right now life is what God wants to work with. We got we to gotta change our perspective. We got to see ourselves and see our circumstance the way God sees it. All right. And then we got to go, all right, Lord, I'm in your process. I accept your process. And then we got to move toward that um, authentic, emotionally mature, spiritually strong, authentic manhood that starts to come out of this square block of that's unformed. And then people start to see Christ in us. You know what? God's vision, his highest vision for you is to be like Christ. You can do that path. You can go that way or you can go another way. The Bible says you can live God's dream and be made for more and experience more or not. Your choice this morning. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a broken masculinity out there. There's a cultural masculinity that involves self-importance and self-gratification and self-preservation and all that stuff. And that leads to death and immaturity and broken relationships and selfishness and competition. Then there's another way that leads to life. And so we can be like culture, all right? That's the way that kind of seems right. We're bombarded with it. The media, the digital age, it's saying, hey, you should have this and you should you should own this and you should sleep with this. And that's what it means to be a man. That's like culture versus like Christ. And that's what the world really wants. That's what you wanted since you were a little boy. You wanted to have special power. You wanted to defend the weak. You wanted to deliver God's justice. You wanted to stick it to the bad guy. That's why I wore a Batman helmet when I was growing up. Man, I wanted to be that guy. Well, that's fantasy. In Christ, it's reality. But you got a choice to make. You got to decide to let God decide. You got to let your reality right now be the raw material of what God is going to use to bring his glory. You got to exchange your perspective. You got to accept God's process for you, even though it might be longer than you want. And you got to move toward an authentic, real manhood, masculinity that the world is waiting for. Look at what it says in Romans 8, 29, because this is God's highest vision. This is what we've been talking about this morning. What's the more that you're made for? Listen to this. For those whom he foreknew, okay, he also predestined to become, listen, conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. So there's Jesus the Son, and then there's his many brothers. That's you and me. And God has taken us out of the, the quarry of darkness, planted us into the workshop and plan of his beloved Son, and here, after salvation, is in the process of transforming it 
And we have to decide to let God complete his work in us. So guys, that's the journey. You're made for more, right? You're planted in God's vineyard. God sees you as a tree and he's not interested in you showing yourself through your image that you're a follower of Jesus and owning a Bible and attending church and all that. What he's really after is the character of Jesus Christ. That's the more that you're made for. That's the dream he has for you. That's his highest vision and noblest goal. So we're gonna bow our heads right now and we're gonna pray and we're gonna, we're gonna pray a prayer of cooperation with God in his process to fulfill his vision in us. Father, thank you so much that you have a vision for us that in our raw, unformed, uh, unpretty selves, you're gonna start chiseling away. And the vision that you have for us is to look like in our character and in our conduct, your son, Jesus. Well, Lord, today we accept. We accept your vision for us. We decide right now, Jesus, to let you decide what's best for us. Lord, we, we accept that, that the realities that we have in our lives, especially the tough ones, you're at work in those. And Lord, help us to be men of faith in the midst of, of trial and tribulation and challenge right now. I pray for every man in a, in a difficulty or a delay right now. God, that you're using that to form Jesus in them. Lord, we just want to think like you. Help us to see life the way you see it from eternity and from the word. Lord, we accept the timing. It's, it's your deal. And God, we pray that we would be well-formed men, godly men, Christ-like men, who show in the middle of this dark age of masculinity what a real man is, that we would shine the light of Christ, that we would be lights to the world in the midst of the darkness, Lord, and that we could show the world, Lord, how your love and justice came through Christ in us to people. In Christ's name we pray, and God's men said, amen.